Hello and welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I have the absolute honor and privilege of being joined by a former University of Montana men's basketball coach and now coaching Oregon State's men's basketball program, Wayne Tinkle. Wayne, how are you doing today? Doing great, Mitch. Good to be with you, bud. I'm so happy to have you on today. It's awesome. You're a legend in the state of Montana. I know when we spoke on the phone, you didn't agree with that, but I think you are. And I'm just so happy to have this interview. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. And always love talking sports, especially, uh, you know, Montana sports and kind of getting caught up and um, what's going on there now, but also sharing some stories from, from the past. We certainly enjoyed our time there. Oh, definitely. So about your playing days and just your time at U of M, tell me about your playing days at U of M. And then you also went on to the pro level overseas. Excuse me. Yeah, it was great. I was recruited by Mike Montgomery uh, when he was the head coach there. You know, and back in the early to mid 80s, you know, we didn't have the AAU circuit like we have now. So you really didn't get the visibility you get on the national level. But, um, you know, I was recruited fairly heavily because, uh, you know, just back then a lot of it was word of mouth and weren't a lot of guys out west, my size anyway. But, um, Chose Montana because uh, just, you know, I almost canceled my visit because I thought, man, what what is there in Montana for me? And and I was talking to my dad, I remember, and he goes, well, why have you liked them to this point? And I said, I love the staff. They, they've, they've handled the recruitment uh, the right way. And, and I've really connected with guys like Stu Morrill and Bob Neal. Mm-hmm. He goes, well, you're answering your own question there. You at least, you know, need to go take a look. So I fell in love with it uh, immediately on my visit. Um, you know, there are players, you know, Larry Kriskoyak, obviously, Larry McBride, John Boyd, Bruce Burns, Leroy Washington, just made a big, uh, big impact on me. I love the community. And what I really fell in love with is kind of the chip on your shoulder, blue collar mentality. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. remember we had the burnt orange and gold copper uniforms and you had to have a certain kind of pride and swagger hadn't been invented back then. So certain kind of pride you had to carry yourself with to, to play with the, those, those colors. And, um, you know, I, I fell in love with that. And um, obviously um, after my redshirt freshman year, Monty went to Stanford and Stu Morrill took over, which we were all thrilled because he recruited most of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we had, we had a solid run. Um, and then I was able to enjoy a professional career knocked at the NBA's door. I was good enough to get cut by three NBA teams is the story I tell, but played in the CBA for a little bit and in about nine, 10 years in Europe, I got married right out of college uh, to Lisa McLeod, uh, who played for the Lady Grizz, was quite a player. And it was great. We were traveling the world and we had our kids and going to, you know, Italy, Spain, Greece, having the time of our lives and got about 12 years out of it before I went into coaching at my alma mater at Montana. That's awesome. So you helped me lead into like three or four of my other questions I have for you. So what was it like to play at a packed Dahlberg arena? You know, Missoula really supports their football program and then that funnels over into the basketball program. So what was that like to just play at that arena with that kind of energy every game? Well, it was great. And if you think back to, uh, I know you're you're a lot younger, but to in that era, um, you know, UM was really, kind of a, I guess, basketball school there for a number of years. 
before they built Washington Grizzly Stadium and, and they got the football program cranked up. Um, and, and we had great relationships. Well, all the athletes, um, both male and female, all different sports. Mm-hmm. We really had a great uh, sort of uh, kinship there. And so I, I remember we would come to shoot around usually about seven hours before the tip. And the line for the student section went from Dahlberg all the way down the block around uh, the law school because they opened the gates at 430. And once the student section was full, you know, that was it. Wow. And so we, it, we, we would come back for a seven o'clock tip at 530, let's say the student section would be already packed and there'd be nobody else in the arena. And so when the opposing team came out, I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, they, they had done their research. And if, uh, if one of the other players, unfortunately had some sort of incident in the off season, boy, our fans were, our students were, they were aware of it. They wrote them the whole game. Uh, it was electrifying, you know, and then of course that drove the rest of uh, the fan base and, we packed it in, you know, and it was uh, it, w- it was awesome because they made it so hard for our opponents um, when they came in there that obviously we jo- enjoyed some great success at home. That's awesome. So did you as a player get to play in March Madness at all? I didn't. That's the one unfortunate thing. We, we played in the NIT a time or two, I think, but we never made the NCAA tournament uh, in my time there. Darn it. And then now you've had the opportunity to coach it a few times at U of M. And then this last year, Oregon state went on one hell of a run. Um, yeah. What was it like as a coach? Oh, it was great. You know, obviously we had, we had a, one really bad loss at Montana in the NCAA tournament when we had had a bunch of injuries down this stretch. Will Cherry was at about 50%, but he wanted to play, showed the heart and desire that he has, but you know, it, it was tough. And we played New Mexico. We felt like our first year, we, we let that one slip away. So it was kind of, you know, it was, it was kind of a double edge. It was, we were thrilled to get there, but we didn't really represent like we wanted to in the NCAA tournament. So we got to get to Oregon state. And in 2016, we went um, and lost a close one in the first round, but we had lost trace heading into that mm-hmm. game. Of course, you know, he was as a freshman, our, second leading scorer and rebounder, big piece. So we missed him. So this last year, when we were fortunate enough to get back there uh, and get on the roll that we we did was really, you know, it was satisfying. I, I never think, you know, individually or personally, it was great for Oregon State. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, um, you know, we had, we'd put so much, so much hard work into kind of turning the thing around here to have it validated was special. But I'll have to admit personally, it was neat just to get some wins and get on a roll like that to maybe wash out uh, some of the sour taste we'd have with uh, some of the other games in the tourney. For sure. And I remember I went to West and whenever Hellgate would come into town, Trace Tinkle just dominated us (laughs) all the time. And West was big. I mean, we had Samuelson and Danny Betcher. Sure. Trace just dominated us on his own. Well, that was a fun rivalry. And I remember, I think I made it over there for just one game. Um, and then I think I saw them maybe in the next year in Missoula. But it's kind of funny, you know, you mentioned uh, those two names and those guys played with Trace on the AAU circuit towards the end of their high school career. And it was really neat, um, you know, I was watching those guys, the Montana guys mixed in with a couple Idaho kids. 
mm-hmm. kind of get out there and get, get, get to some of those bigger cities and hand it to some of these big, bigger name teams. Um, and obviously developed some, some pretty good relationships with those families. So good, good times. And, and now you see more and more Montana kids getting out and playing on those bigger circuits in the spring and mm-hmm. in the summer um, and, and getting that visibility, which, um, you know, really helps those guys get opportunities down the road. Definitely. So, <clears throat> excuse me, you had the opportunity to have your son on your team. Plus you also had Kendall Manuel from Skyview. How cool was it to be able to bring Montana kids to Oregon state? Oh, it was great. It was a real thrill. And, and we're going to continue to recruit Montana. You know, if we feel like there's PAC 12 level kids there, um, you know, we just, we, we, we love not only the talent, but really kind of the character, what those kids are made of, like we mentioned earlier, kind of the blue collar mentality, but it was really neat to have, first of all, they trace and Kendall were like brothers. Kendall spent a lot of time at our house you know, two, three, four days at a time, he'd come to our camps. Um, he traveled with us to and from these tournaments. Uh, so it, it was great to have them here. And you know, he redshirted uh, when he got hurt his first year, but then as a, as a redshirt freshman had some minutes for us. Um, and then he made a tough decision to transfer back to Montana to have a bigger role, which I respected. And the way he handled it was incredible. You know, he brought his family, his mom came to town, um, we all were shedding tears in the meeting, but I certainly understood why he was doing it. Um, and we, we missed him, but he, he went on to have, you know, a great finish to his career at Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was neat, neat, neat how he handled that, but just having those kind of guys, you know, coming from a state that we, we knew and loved so much and, and to have the impact that they had for us said a lot. Definitely. So how did your guys' run last year benefit this year's recruiting class? You know, that's a great question. A lot of people ask, but really we're so far down the road in recruiting. We had had most of our guys committed before we went on that run. But I think where we're really going to see the rewards are in the 22 and 23 class and beyond. And we've already signed two kids for the 22 class that we're excited about. And the guys we're involved with, uh, you know, for the spring signing and then next year as well um, has us very excited. And I, I think it's it's, it's neat that they saw our success, but more importantly, how they comment on how much fun our guys had and how much they really shared in the moment with each other, you know, the enthusiasm they had. And that's that's really part of our culture. And it was neat to have that witnessed and, and, and for those folks to kind of, you know, cherish and seeing it. And we'll carry that forward. But really, the more important thing, the level maybe go up a little bit, even though we've had a lot of really good players, we still have to remember the kind of individuals that thrive in Corvallis and in our system. And we can't lose sight of that. Definitely. Each college has their own type of player that succeeds at your college. And that's definitely more. And it's a revolving, I mean, it's ever evolving with, with, you know, name image and likeness. Now the transfer portal, Um, you know, there's a lot of pressures uh, on, on these kids these days. And, you know, the, you know, kind of the pride like that I, I spoke of going to Montana and really want to give it your all because of the opportunity they gave you has shifted. I'll just say that has shifted. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and and unfortunately, nowadays, it's a little bit more of, you know, they feel like maybe we owe them something for for coming here. And we're going to find the ones that are old school and, and appreciate the opportunities they have with us here at Oregon State. Definitely. So the Pac-12 is kind of a powerhouse conference when it comes to basketball. You have Oregon that's really good. 
You guys have been good. UCLA is really good. Arizona. What is the main recruiting advantage that you have at Oregon State when you have players that are being recruited by other Pac-12 schools? Yeah, you know, we've again, we've got to sort of identify and go after a different kind of uh, individual. You know, we're we're kind of a rural college. You know, we're in a a town of about 65, 70,000 people, um, no major airport. You know, we, we've got a bus to, to Portland to fly out. Um, but what we sell are what we think are our strengths. We, we don't talk about what we lack. We really push what we have. And, and we've got an incredible staff. We've got a great university with, you know, you, there's not a, a class or a major that you can't find here. Um, we have more research dollars here at Oregon State than all the other schools in Oregon combined. So that tells you you've got great people on your campus teaching your classes. Um, and, and then the environment, you know, there's no confusing who the home team is. We're not battling NBA, NFL, MLB, MLS. Everybody knows that, uh, you know, it's the Oregon State Beavers and there's orange and black everywhere you go in Corvallis and up and down this valley. So uh, those are the things that we really push. You can focus on getting your degree and becoming the best basketball player uh, you can all the while kind of growing into young, young manhood. And um, if, if you're not looking for those things, then we're probably not for you. For sure. That's, that's great. So I know you have six seniors in terms of contributing players. How experienced of a team are you this year? We, we've got a lot of experience, but I think four of those guys, this is only their second year with us. Oh, okay. So they, they haven't been with us a ton. And then, and then we brought in seven new guys. So we've struggled quite honestly, we we've probably lost four or five games that could have gone either way that frankly, probably shouldn't have come down to the wire. Um, so it, it's been a real chess match trying to meld the new guys with those veteran guys. We had a hard time convincing the veteran guys, you know, after last year's success, it wasn't going to be that easy. It wasn't easy a year ago. Why would it be easy this year? And so you throw in losing some some close games and then, you know, the COVID situation, you know, I think nine of our last 11 practices, Mitch, we've only had eight or less guys. We haven't been able to go wow. five on five. And we're not the only one dealing with that. But no. um, we, we've got a lot on our plate, but we've we've really built some momentum. I think the guys are starting to understand how we have to play. Um they figured it out last year, um, obviously, and, and we need to do that a little bit sooner this year to turn things around. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like you said, last year's team, I think you guys were an 11 seed. Uh, let me think 12. We were 12, I believe. 12. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, your team was good, but they were a bubble team for sure. And I still think you could turn it around to get there again, hopefully. Yeah, we hope so. We know we've, uh, we've certainly made it a tough, tough road to hoe, but you know, this is, this is, you know, at Oregon state, it's tough. And, and, and nowadays you hear most, most every coach talking about how, how difficult it is to build programs. You really are building teams from mm -hmm. year to year um, because of the landscape we're in currently, but um, we've, we've bounced back from rough years before and done incredible things. And we're going to get the momentum going here again and carry it forward. Just like we have, you know, all the other years that we've been here for sure. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you build your team kind of year to year. Last year, you had pretty good shooters on your team. Um, what's your team game plan this year? Are you more of an inside team? Or are you a shooting team? Yeah, we feel like we've really developed the talent on the interior. 
Um, we haven't shot it as well as a team from, from the perimeter, even though we've got several of those guys back from a year ago that did shoot it well. Uh, Jared Lucas has been shooting it lights out of late. Uh, but we're, this year we've really been trying to sell that balance of inside and out. That was the key to our success down, down the stretch last year, along with getting really physical on the boards. Um, we, we would hurt teams inside, force them to double team or collapse. And then that, that freed up and we got better looks out on the perimeter and shot it at a higher percentage, especially down the stretch. So um, we, uh, for a while there, we're shooting about 29% from three as a team. Uh, we have been scoring it in the paint, but if we can get those percentages up from three a little bit, it's certainly going to help us moving forward. Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I noticed on your roster, you have five kids from California. What do you see as a recruiting advantages for that pipeline state on the West coast? Well, you know, I think a, a lot of it, you've got so much talent down there and obviously the, you've got USC and UCLA, the two big schools in, in Southern Cal. And so, you know, we, we've kind of found some guys that maybe weren't quite recruited by those schools, but we obviously saw something in them. Um, they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, you know, to, to prove they belong in this conference. And um, by and large, most of them have worked out that way. So um, we've spread out though a little bit. We've got a kid from Philly this year, someone from, you know, player from Georgia, New York. So we're starting to spread it out a little bit. <laughs> Excuse me, got a sneeze here. Oh, bless you. <laughs> tight. Thanks. Pardon me. So mentioning that you've branched out a little bit, I noticed you had a player from South Sudan and a player from Cameroon. How the heck did you recruit them to Oregon State? <laughs> well, yeah, Rodriguez Andela, he's from Cameroon, but he played junior college ball in Texas, um, was also at a prep school in Arizona. So we followed him for a couple of years, love his physical presence. Fortunately, he got hurt after our fifth game, broke his foot, will probably miss the year. Uh, and then Big Shoal Mariel um, played played at a couple different prep schools. Uh, went to Maryland, you know, as a sophomore in high school here in the states. He was the number one ranked center in the country by ESPN, and then just was plagued with chronic shin problems that we're working through right now. But um, those guys are coming to the states more and more now in high school and for prep schools. But we've reached out. One of our signees for next year is one of the top. Uh, wings in Europe from Germany, uh, Mike, Michael uh, Retai. So um, we've sent coaches over there to some of the, you know, 18U, 16U tournaments uh, in the summer, and, and we're starting to reap the rewards from, from the work we put in over there. That is so awesome to, yeah. to see the game be so international. For sure. So when you're recruiting, especially high school kids, and let's assume that they're D1, Pac-12 level um, game-wise, what do you look for outside of their game? That's a great point. That's, you know, you, you, it's easy to walk in a gym and see who can jump, who can shoot, who can defend. Um, we really try to investigate, um, you know, some more of their like personality characteristics, you know, are, are they tough? Are they resilient? What kind of discipline do they have in their lives? You know, how do they do academically? Um, and, and we feel by making those a priority, it can separate us. You know, it's, it's tough for us to get involved with the five-star kids, the McDonald's All-Americans. Not, not that we won't at some point, but we, we want more of uh, that kind of tier of guys that have a high ceiling but maybe haven't hit their stride yet. But they've got to be disciplined. They've got to be high-character kids. Um, and, and that was our success at Montana. And you can, mm -hmm. you can bring them from any environment, but 
they've got to work hard. They've got to buy into the team and do things the right way on and off the court. Um, and we've had some really good classes here at Oregon State, and there's been years where maybe we've missed on on a kid or two, but that's nationally, you know, and, and with so many stresses uh, and pressures on these kids, it just seems like, you know, that's happening more and more with, you know, the the days of kind of earning your dues and waiting for your time are gone. You know, these guys want what they want when they want it. And mm-hmm. if they're not happy, you know, they're, they're going to look for something else, which some can argue is fine that, that you know, but uh, I know it's hard to really develop that consistency in your program when you can't build it from, you know, that freshman class on all the way through their senior year. But um, yeah, we've, we've done pretty well here and I know, uh, whatever hiccups there might be that we'll correct and continue to move forward. But if you look at our programs, we're always complimented on how hard I get our guys play, how well they play together. Um, and, and that's why we've been able to turn things around here at Oregon state in such short time. Definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. So is there any advice you can give high school athletes that are looking for a scholarship? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I wouldn't put the focus on how many points you score, um, you know, all, all those sort of things. It's the intangibles. You know, are you a great teammate? How do you react to a bad call maybe by uh, an official? Or how do you react if your coach gets after you, maybe because you made a couple of mistakes? Are you mm-hmm. coachable? And uh, if you play your tail off, you play the right way. Coaches know that they can develop whatever skills you might be lacking. But some of those things are important. You know, put your teammates before you, you know, do the best you can in the classroom. Treat people on your high school campus is the right way and in your communities. Um, those, those things have been lost a little bit, you know, in, in, in the last number of years and as a society as, as a whole as well. So I would focus on those things. Um, I would tell the parents the same, support the team, support their kids, and um, really just coach them on effort and attitude. That's what we did with our children. It was never how many points did you have or how many shots or how many minutes did you play. It was did you outwork everybody on the court because – that's something you can control. And did you keep a great attitude? And if you mm-hmm. said yes to both of those, whether you won or lost, it was a successful game. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned your kids. Um, you know, you and your wife both had great careers at the University of Montana. Trace went on to have a good career at Oregon State. And then he, I believe, had a stint with the um, Lakers G League and is now playing overseas. And then your daughter had a great career at Stanford. What does it mean to have your children play the game that you and your wife love so much? Oh, it's obviously very special. And, um, you know, it's well chronicled, especially throughout the state of Montana. Um, I think all three were all state, you know, at one point. The neat thing was they played multiple sports other than Trace. I think once he got into high school, he just focused on hoops. Um, But volleyball for the girls, track and field. But it's incredible. You know, you've got one that gets uh, two degrees from Stanford, plays in three Final Fours. Another one, the only only women's player to ever get a nursing degree while playing at Gonzaga and was a first-team All-Leaguer. And then everything Trace did for us here makes us proud. But um, that's all really uh, secondary to the fact that they're all incredible kids, Mm -hmm. um, have have grown into adulthood um, in, in a very positive way with how they go about their work and how they treat others. Um, and that's what makes us the most proud. Oh, definitely. They're all great from what I know from of Trace and, you know, um, all that. So you've had a story career that will only continue to grow as you're still coaching. 
what story are you most excited to tell your grandkids? Oh boy. Holy <laughs> smokes. That's one I haven't been asked, Mitch. <laughs> That's pretty good journalism right there. You know, my, my story is probably going to be about, you know, their, their parent, you know, if, if it's, you know, Trace's kid one day, it's going to be something that he did spectacular or Ellie or Joss probably not going to tell too many stories about myself unless they ask them. Um, the, the one I remember from the Montana days is pulling victory out of the uh, mouth of the Bobcats over there. I think it was my senior year with a, a steal on an inline out of bounds and laid it in just before the buzzer to win by one. But um, there's, there's a lot, but, but I'm going to probably shed the light on my kids and all the great things they did and their grandmother, because she was a much better player in college than I was. Wow. Beating the Bobcats by one, that had to be crazy because that rivalry is just so nuts. Oh, it was, yeah, it was a, an incredible rivalry. And I stay in touch with a lot of former cats. Um, you know, I was really close with Brad Hughes when he was the head coach there and I was at Montana. Uh, Danny Sprinkle and I probably talk, you know, once a month during the season. And um, and I've got I've got in-laws that are Bobcats. So we're, we're going to have our eye on that TV this weekend, hoping uh, they they can pull things out. Um, but don't get it twisted. Whenever they're going head to head, I'm I'm all Grizz all the time. You know, I'm the same way. I'm a Bobcat fan 99% of the time. But whenever they're not playing the Grizz, I do go for the Grizz too. Because, I Good. mean, at the end, it's Montana, right? <laughs> you want the state of Montana represented well. You're right, buddy. Yep, exactly. Well, hey, Coach Tinkle, it has been an honor to have you on today. And thank you for taking your time. I know it's a crazy world right now with COVID. And I know you guys are dealing with that. So thank you so much for no, taking the time to do this. No pleasure. Pleasure being with you and tell uh, the state of Montana. We say hello, wish them all well and tell my buddy Rocky Erickson. Hello as well. All right. We'll do. Thank you so much. All right, Mitch. Take care. Yep. Bye now. Bye.